I'm super excited to introduce Drew. Uh, like I said, him and I are really good friends. And uh, normally I start a series. We're starting a series of cards you've been dealt. And normally I'll start it, but with a series like this, I felt like you need someone with more wisdom because Drew is much, much, much older than me. And uh, uh, five kids. And uh, anyways, anyways, give it up for Drew. This might seem a little unorthodox and, um, and, and abnormal for you guys. Um, I need a minute. Uh, there's just some things that I know about myself and I know about some people in the room that I've been allowed to love and be close to in times of tragedy and in times of heartache, and I'm not ready to start yet. So if you don't mind, I need a minute, and I think maybe it would be okay if you did too, because if you let the lyrics of that last song actually stay with you a little bit, it is entirely possible that that may be all that you need for the night, for the week, for the rest of your life. It isn't a joke. What a powerful name. It's just an audible sound that comes off your lips, but when you understand what that name does, means, and can change, what you might have to surrender and the joy that comes with it if you'll just let it happen. I need a minute, so I'm just going to ask all of you on your own, bow your heads or don't, whatever you need to do. This is going to feel weird to you, and I'm just going to ask you to get over it. But I have to pray for a minute. Okay, I think I'm ready. And if not, you'll know it in a minute or two. <clears throat> so in light of all of that, when was the last time, and maybe it was just now, but when was the last time you were honest with yourself about yourself? <clears throat> now real quick, as soon as I said that, you just went to two different directions. You either went to the negative destroy yourself, only think of your failures side of the story, or you ran to the denial side that says it's, it's not you, it's other things and other things and, and so on. But how many of you have actually ever ab been able to just be totally honest, like completely honest, to say out loud small things and large things, but all true things, things like God, I care more about what other people think than what you think. But I'm going to keep faking it until you do something. Because what people think of me mean too much, means too much to me. Or maybe you're the person who is so angry because life hasn't gone the way that you believe it should or needs to. 
And until God fulfills your demands and your request, you're going to hold him hostage. Just have you ever had those honest, or God, I don't even believe you're real, nor do I care, but the girl that invited me here tonight, I am hoping she gives me more time with her. Like, when was the last time you were able to be totally honest? And again, not, not the negative, not the beat yourself up person, but just you, all that you are, totally who you are. When was the last time an actual reflection of you went in prayer? I said, God, I'm really struggling with this because here's where I want to start the evening is that I've been really weak lately. My faith has been very dry. My relationship has been distant. My prayer life has been non-existent. I've had setback after setback after setback lately. Thankfully, everybody's healthy, but I've got five kids. Five healthy people can make two very exhausted parents. Wiley Palooza has an ice cream called the exhausted parent. Because I'm an exhausted parent, I can't afford to buy the tub, but all I need to fulfill me is the tub. And I'm just, I'm, when Adam called me and I said yes, because normally when people ask me to do something for them, my normal response is yes. And then over the course of time, I usually either let them down or I might actually come through. It's about a 50-50 shot. 60-40, but I'm getting better. <clears throat> for those of you that know me, it's more like 80-20, but easy with the numbers. But what I'm learning about myself as I started to get ready for tonight and what I, I'm learning about myself as I started to think this thing through is that we are far too, as people, forget Christian, non-Christian, unchurched, de-churched, ditch that language. Just ditch it for tonight. You either are or are not breathing. You either are or are not in need of deodorant, perhaps more often than you are really aware. Uh, maybe some of you are wearing clothes that could be a little too tight, or maybe they're okay. But either way, you are a person. And so tonight, I just want to talk to people. So if you are not one of those, feel free to take this opportunity to leave or expose yourself. And not the way that you might be thinking in the 21st century, expose yourself definition. Because here's what I need to share with you tonight. There's, there's an old cartoon. How many of you guys have ever heard of Charlie Brown? Okay, about a little over half the audience. So, so Charlie Brown was this really simple cartoon that uh, developed in the, like, I don't know, 60s or whatever. It was, a real, it was in the newspaper. every Newspaper is one of those folded up things that you use to wipe your toilet or wipe your butt in the woods uh, that's not a leaf. Um, newspaper... As if you have, come on, you guys haven't gone camping. Anyway, so this newspaper thing, every week this article would come out, and every single week, Peanuts was the title of this little thing. And, and there's a story in there, and it's really deep. He, he, the cartoons do this sometimes. They're funny on the surface, but if you think about the meaning, it's like, oh, I think he just punched me in the throat. And yet I laughed at his joke. But I think I'm the actual joke in the story. Anyway, so in this cartoon, there's just two characters in this one sequence. It's a character named Lucy and a character named Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown is sitting around, and he's, he's kind of going through things, and, and Lucy notices how glum Charlie Brown looks. And so she says to Charlie, hey, Charlie, why do you look so, so down? Why, what are you worrying about, Charlie? His response is, I just I feel really inferior Lucy looks at him with all of the compassion in the world. And just so we're clear, those of you who don't know, Lucy is the single most arrogant character of the entire... Uh, there, there isn't a good thing in Lucy at all. If there was ever a moment to set the cartoon character on fire, Lucy would be your first choice. 
So Lucy's not the friend you would ever invite to come hang out with you, ever, ever. And if you are Lucy here tonight, this is an intervention. You're welcome. But Lucy looks at Charlie Brown, and she goes, why are you worrying? And he says, it's because I feel so inferior. And she looks at him, and she goes, oh, Charlie, everyone feels that way. Everyone really feels inferior? No, they feel that way about you. So here's where I want to start tonight. This is what normal pastors do. They wait 25 minutes, and then they, they say they're going to start, right? You don't believe the truth about yourself. You believe Lucy. And she's lying. I'll say it another way. We are all Charlie Brown. But the problem is, is that we think everyone else is Lucy. We're all aware that we are weak in certain areas of our life. We are all aware that we are not who we say we are publicly when we are privately. We are all aware that we struggle with two-faced moments and we struggle with doubting hearts and faithful hearts. And there, there's a song I was listening to recently called Somewhere in the Middle, and it, it's a song by a band named Casting Crowns, and I don't really listen to music a lot, but old people do different things. So um, I, I was listening to this song um, on my way down to my family's. My grandmother had passed away recently, and so I was going to, and, and in this song, um, I was by myself in the car, worst, worst time to ever think, because your tears, no one's going to grab the wheel. You can pray Jesus take the wheel, but just so we're clear, he probably won't. Um, and so I'm just, I'm crying, I'm dry, I'm a 40-year-old bearded man who grew up on a farm, I can dig ditches and run tractors and combines and bulldozers, but I'm sobbing like a teenage girl that just found out that the homecoming dance is going to be me and another girl. I'm just like driving, ah, I'm just crying because this song just, it, it, it's who we all actually are. The, uh, the chorus goes something like, fearless warriors in a picket fence, reckless abandon." wrapped in common sense. We are so weak, but we are so bold. We want to do amazing things, but the second that amazing things lay in front of us, we get scared. You see, for me, I can preach and do this. I, can, I actually, I don't even need to prepare messages. I just do it because people ask me to. They ask for notes, and I love you. I don't, people ask me, I don't need it. I don't need it. Just give me a Bible. Give me a person. I'm going to wear you out. That's where I go. You're either going to never call me again, or you will call me again. Either way, I win. So, one of the things that matters about our character is that we start being honest, and honesty starts with acknowledging that none of us are actually any different than Charlie Brown. We are inferior. We are. The only problem is, is we think others aren't, and that is not ever actually true. You see, you and I stack ourselves up against other people. We are so convinced to stay with the metaphor of the cards that we've been dealt. The reality is we all think we get a handful of twos and threes and jokers, and we think the guy next to us or the lady who's down the street or the person at this job we have, we think they've got all aces in their deck. The only problem is they scribbled with a Sharpie to make it look from a distance when in all actuality they too hold the same deuces the rest of us have. Now, here's where this matters. You can say amen to that all night in here, but you won't tomorrow unless you believe something differently about yourself. 
more importantly, unless you believe something differently about who has you, who's working in you, working for you, and working toward you. Because if you think you are the only person that can figure this out, then your inferiority will be your block for the rest of your life. You will wear yourself out trying to figure out who you are, never once accepting the glory and the grace that comes with just being who you are. Because as long as you try to look down the street to the aces, the kings, and the queens, all the while convinced that you'll never be more than a three, you're not even playing cards. You're just falling for the trap that Lucy loves to set up, that our enemy loves to set up for all of us, that you will never be and then fill in the blank. Lord, I want you to start to see tonight and every week after, because I already know where the series is going to go. Thankfully, because I'm significantly older than I think almost everyone else in the room. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> That's fair. Thank you, Laura Guzzi, for not saying anything. And so, all of the things that come out in Scripture point to this one simple reality. There is no such thing as a good person. That hurt some of you, didn't it? No, see, because here's what happens. In church land, in the world around us, we say, oh, man, aren't they amazing? And then they go home and they hit their wife. Or we say, isn't she the most beautiful? And then she goes home and, and hits a line. Or aren't they the most spectacular? And then they go home and are filled with doubt, sobbed in the corner and crying. There are no good people. Please understand, we are all equally kind of a mess. So what do you do when all of the other twos are in the room with you? You learn to hang on to the ace that was given to you for free. You learn to hold the ace in your hand at all times, which was freely given to you. In the Bible, there is a simple, simple pathway to living a free life. And that simple pathway And just be. Jesus, historically, forget the scriptures, Jesus historically, outside of the Bible, is still referred to historically as one of the most interesting and amazing human beings, stories that is ever laid on the dirt of the earth. Inside of the scriptures, it comes alive. But I want to show you how. Because what you and I are prone to do is we're prone to look at people. We're even prone to look at people in the Bible. People like Joseph. People like Abraham. And we're like, oh, wow, there's Moses or whatever. And we grab these Bible stories and we think they're so amazing. No, 100% of the people in the Bible are awful people. Abraham, liar, Rahab, prostitute, David, adulterer. There are no good people in the scriptures but one. And that one not only laid down his life for you, but has promised, if you would just have confidence in him the same way you have confidence that that beige foundation that you put on your face is going to make that zit look like it's not there. Gentlemen, I'm talking to you. <clears throat> if you will believe and have confidence in him instead of yourself, you will not be Charlie Brown anymore. You will have Lucy's confidence with Charlie Brown's grace. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, and I want to introduce you to a simple text, a few verses. 
Philippians chapter 2. I have no idea what translation you guys use, so I'm going to stick with the one that I study, and then I'll explain why in a second, because I just talk a lot. Philippians chapter 2. The apostle, Paul. Apostle just means the guy who was sent. He was encouraging churches, churches that he loved, even churches that he didn't like. He wrote letters to them because he couldn't text them. So he had to write letters, send them with people so that they could clean up their mess or be encouraged in the avoidance of the messes that came to them anyway. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He tells the church, he says, hey, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of what? A servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Now, why does that matter? You see, you and I have grown up completely convinced that we have to work really hard to make ourselves look strong. We have to work really hard to make ourselves look like we've got things together. We very rarely see a picture where someone is encouraged to empty themselves of all of their strength and their power and just be humble. No, see, we all look the part on the outside so that other people think we've got it together. Even in preparing this message tonight, I was like, what are the best punchlines and the best one-liners I can get to get people to go, ooh, and get, you know, maybe Adam's going, yeah, and then maybe they'll tweet it afterwards, and then I'll be like, famous guy. And maybe, maybe if they develop a hashtag out of my sermon, then maybe, maybe they'll let me preach again on the big stage, and I'll be a real big boy then. <laughs> and I'm still going to go home to five kids who are going to wear me out and not be able to afford the exhausted parent tub down at Wiley Palooza. That is reality. Charlie Brown with Lucy's Confidence. But Jesus, Jesus gave us a different path, and I want to show you why that matters. In my backyard a couple of weeks ago was a riding lawnmower that was given to me. Now, my yard does not necessitate a riding lawnmower. My backyard necessitates maybe a baby goat. <clears throat> it's not a big deal. But this guy gave it to me. And since I grew up on a farm, and I like to play with big stuff, I get on this giant riding lawnmower, it's a zero, I'm like going, right? The only problem is, if you pay attention to the weather, you'd understand there are things like rain. Now, you may know where the story's going, but you actually don't, because I'm going to trump you in a second. That wasn't a presidential comment. In this moment, I'm in my backyard, and I'm mowing my grass, but it rained earlier. And there was this muskrat thing that had burrowed a hole into the bottom, like, under my yard thing. And so while I'm going across said hole with all the confidence of Lucy, I bottom out. And that zero-turn motor decided to make one turn toward the lake, rear end first. So here's the fun part about living on a retention pond with no fence. There's no fence. <laughs> Which 99% of the time is actually a very good thing. But on the 1% chance when you're actually riding said lawnmower, you wind up looking at things a little bit differently. Like maybe as you're heading to the water, trying to plan out, okay, what is my escape route if I do end up in the water? If this does fall on me, can I dial 911 from my wet phone pocket? Can I? Right, so I'm walking through. Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Am I going to Why? This is like moving at two miles an hour. Why am I nervous? <laughs> I could literally send an email or maybe binge watch half of Netflix and still not hit the water, but I'm panicking. Anyway, so down I go, down I go, and here's the thing. It gets stuck before it goes into the lake. I can't figure out if this is God's grace or humor. Either way, it plays out the same. 
it stops before it goes in the water. But here's, you guys are like, oh, you got saved. No. Uh, no, no, it's just a different form of humility. So the, the lawnmower doesn't go in the lake, but guess whose spaghetti string arms are unable to pull said lawnmower out of said lake? This guy. And I've got a 17-year-old son, and so I flexed up as much as I could. I went and grabbed a tow rope. I'm like, we're going to pull this thing up. We didn't move it. Like, not even a inch, let alone the many inches needed to get up off that ledge and get it back onto level ground. So I called, um, <laughs> he's not here so I can say this. So Nate Reeves works here at the church. And, and Nate, he has a desk next to me, but more importantly, he recently moved really close to me. And it was a Sunday evening, two weeks ago. So you guys might have been here doing this, but I was at home doing this. And then I called Nate. I said, Nate, you have the biggest calves on earth. Would you bring those calves, you know, the things that stick in your jeans down here, the things that you can't pull pants on over? He was a lineman in high school, and I think a very successful one. So he came over, and guess what happened? Yeah, the lawnmower literally almost flew up out of the I mean, it was like incredibly embarrassing. <clears throat> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm insecure in who I am, I'm pissed and a little embarrassed, Right? Because my calves look the same as my ankles. <clears throat> and my wrist. And any one of my ten fingers. It's really all just kind of the same. Nate, on the other hand, looks like American Ninja Warrior asked him for training advice. Because I'm serious. I think if I would have asked him, Nate, no, no, no. I need you to lift my house so I get the lawnmower underneath. He would have been like, oh, okay. And then flex thumb and off she went. No, but the thing is, if I'm insecure in who I am, and that night I'm looking at the cards that I've been dealt for the evening, and I'm like, well, screw it, my whole night's shot. Not only that, but I have to call Nate Reeves to come over and bail me out of my back. He's barefoot, guys, barefoot. Gets on the toe. I don't even think my son or I had it. I think we were just there for cheer support. There was nothing, like, there was nothing we added value to it. I, it was embarrassing, but I got down in the lake and acted like I was, and I just watched him do it, right? It was so easy. Um, but most of us, we use our entire lives, even in dating relationships. We're constantly looking at who's around us and the evaluations they give us. And on that night, I could have taken two paths, simple as they are. I could have really been kind of frustrated that I was the idiot that I was to get the lawnmower in there, or I could have laughed. I'm like, man, I suck. <clears throat> and I'm kind of an idiot. And oh, by the way, if I ever do that again, Nate's on speed dial. <clears throat> but what about the other setbacks that happen? The lawnmower is a funny story I can get a small crowd to laugh at, but there are other things that make you feel inferior. Some of you have a past. I have a past. Unless I preach an entire series by myself, I don't feel confident to share my past with you. It wouldn't help you. It's pretty dark. That wasn't a plug for a future series, but if you're bored. <laughs> <coughs> but in reality, for each one of us, you have to let go of all that you think you are finally become, just by believing everything that God says you are. The cards you've been dealt in life do not define the end of the game. 
the ace that gets placed in your hand for free guarantees the end of the game. And too often we look at our hand and we look at the cards we've been dealt, the fact that I'm going to walk through a series of things here in a second. They're going to unpack some things for you emotionally because if I just kind of have this surfacey conversation about, hey, you should, should not look down on your life, rah, rah, we don't win anything. But if I can actually get to the place where you can stop believing the lies that you've been telling yourself for 10 or even longer years of your life, then maybe for the first time, you're going to walk out of here tonight completely confident that the very next breath you take is ordained by your creator, given by your creator, for the very powerful work that you can't possibly do without your creator, who voluntarily, lovingly wants to give through you. You see, you will change the world. That phrase gets used a lot, so let me clarify that. I want everybody to look up here. I want you to lean in. As dark as your past and your confusion and your mistakes might be, I want you to understand something. The more you let Jesus lead your heart, the less likely your kids might have to face a divorce. Raise your hand if you've ever felt a divorce, either in your own life or family's life, close friends. Raise your hands. Not Tyrannosaurus Rex, raise your hands. Keep your hands up and look around. You know how much pain that is? Keep your hands up. There is a lot of pain that goes with those arms. But there's even more grace, isn't there? You can put your hands down. Because for everybody that had their hands up, that was just one story. Some of you, are like me, are weak physically. If Adam and I would have ever lined up on a football field, the only way that would have ended well for me is if I punched him in the throat <laughs> from behind <laughs> while he was putting his helmet on <laughs> and asking someone else to help. He said that's very true. He's so right. <laughs> Some of you are physically weakened, so you've stopped trying. You've given up eating healthy. You've said no to exercise. You've picked up smoking. And you just kind of stopped caring about your body as a whole because what physical weakness has made your life feel like is that you're never going to be strong enough as Lucy. And so you just kind of take Charlie Brown's role and you just give up trying. And the reality for you is that you stop trying at every other thing that is good for you. If that hasn't landed on you yet, it will later if you don't see it now. You are prone to give up if you don't have hope. Jesus, not you, will give you hope. I cannot give you hope. Because when I die, what good is it if I validated your life? What good is it if at the end of your life, the very people that celebrated you are laying in a grave? It won't help you. Only Jesus, the only human that has ever gone to die, raised back to life, and then never died again, that guy has promised he will take care of you. Those of you who are weak mentally, whose school was such a difficult thing and still may feel even overpowering at times. You've given up reading. You've given up working on your mind and developing it. 
you've stopped caring about thoughtful things. And now you make fun of yourself. And you even laugh at yourself publicly or maybe throw jokes at yourself and other dumb kids like me jokes. I graduated high school with a 1.8 GPA. I think. They signed my diploma. I think they signed it because they were really tired of having me there more so than I earned the opportunity to leave. I didn't do homework my entire high school life. I'm standing before you tonight without a college degree. What's my point? At age 27, God came knocking on my door and he said, you're not as dumb as you make yourself out to be. And I, there was a small book, it was very small, but it was about Jesus. And after I started reading it, I read the next one. And I'm like 600 more into that story, and so I haven't stopped. I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm just saying God, in spite of my weaknesses, because of my weaknesses, has decided to work through me. And this is where I want you to understand things for the rest of this series. Please stop pretending to be strong. It's okay to not be strong. Just be you and know that Christ, who is your strength, will redeem you. Men, that goes for pornography. Women, that goes for pornography. Men, that goes for insecurity. Women, that goes for insecurity. Men, that goes for anger. Women, that goes for anger. Men, that goes for fear. Women, that goes for fear. You don't have to be afraid of anything. And I, it's funny, I'm standing up here saying this to you because I'm very afraid of a lot of things right now going on in life. I have all kinds of things stacked up against me at the moment. If we were looking at my cards, you would say, dude, those are Uno cards. <laughs> or maybe even like Goldfish or Old Maid. Those, you can't even play normal games with those. And that's all I got. And so I'm standing up here not saying this to you tonight as some sort of like, you know, guy with the answers. I'm just trying to maybe hopefully point to the guy with the answers. Because he keeps coming to me. He keeps helping me. He keeps holding me through things. Sometimes he lets me wait longer than I'm comfortable with, but I'm guessing he's okay with that. Some of you are weak in character. However, turning your heart to trust Jesus and have your heart be transformed may actually allow others to see your drastic humility that God is carving in you. By giving up the desire to be proud and instead taking Jesus' path to be humble, to admit you're weak, say, yeah, I'm weak, but God, God's going to strengthen me. I don't need to be strong. Christ is the one who needs to be strong. I can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens me. And you know what that text, a lot of people, it gets misused a lot in different ways, but you know what that text is really about? Paul, Paul was in jail. Same letter, by the way. Philippians. But Paul was in jail. And in that jail cell, do you know what he was saying to people? Look, I've had a lot of money and success in my life. I've also been dirt poor, kind of like now in jail. Do you know what? I've learned that I'm okay no matter what. Whether I have a lot or have little, I'm content either way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's he saying? That we are just as weak when we're rich as when we're poor. The mark of someone who's walking with Jesus is, are you content whether you have a lot or have a little? Are you happy either way? So we're going to close tonight. We're going to leave this. Is that you and I all crave to be admired by others. 
We all crave it. We want people to see us and think something much of us. I'm just letting you know that if you chase that dream, and you might, you will be found out because you're not actually that strong. All of us are weak, but that's not that big of a deal. It's when we pretend and fake our way through life, acting like we've got all aces, until it's time to lay our hand down and we reveal what? All deuces. But if we would just take the ace that Jesus gives us free of charge, yes, I'm staying on the card metaphor longer than was probably necessary, but you guys have to actually leave here tonight believing you have an ace. And stop believing that these twos in your hand matter because they don't. They're actually God's way of saying, look how powerful the ace in your hand actually is. Because Jesus Christ will redeem all the things in your life. Pornography will be gone. Anger will be gone. You will actually, who have a weak mind, will become incredibly strong mentally. You who have weak character will be some of the most humble people the family and friends you have may ever know. I assure you, there's nothing God cannot do and won't do for you and through you. You have no idea what he will do through you. A few years ago, I was on a job site. I was an electrician. I had a guy making fun of me a lot. I had started to walk with Jesus. And I put a Bible on my dashboard, and I'd kind of done these churchy things, right? But I was trying to actually get a little bit better at this thing. And he kept making fun of me. He kept calling me this evil, hideous name, Pastor Drew. And he was, like, having the most fun in the world with it. He was making fun of me because I stopped cussing and stopped smoking. I didn't choose to do those things. I just started to want to. My heart was changing. I just kind of, I didn't want that old life anymore. I, I wanted something different. And God started to do these things in me. Three years later, I was a youth pastor. And I baptized his daughter. Who's funny? <laughs> this guy. But who gets the glory out of that story? Me? What did I do that was amazing? Nothing. But I trusted him was amazing. And God gave me that simple moment. His daughter sat in my office one day telling me how much she hated Christ and hated all these things. She wrote this incredibly long email. And I printed it off. So won't you come in? Let's talk about it. I circled things. And I was like, if you believe this, then do you believe this too? And she's like, no. I was like, well, then you don't believe that either. She goes, I thought about that. I was like, if you believe this, and then you have to believe this. But you say you don't. So that doesn't make any sense. And I don't, I don't know what I, If you don't know what you believe... That's okay. But can I tell you what I do? It was after a couple of weeks, just talking, tears in her eyes. They all came off. She baptized her own younger sister two years later. All I'm saying is that our weaknesses look awesome in God's hands. Me being a non-college graduating hillbilly from southern Indiana who's bald and has a whole lot more kids than he ought to have. Certainly a whole lot more kids than he can afford. <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke. Uh, God still wants to do stuff in my life. I got a phone call a couple of days ago. It was about, actually, it was about four weeks ago. I had a phone call from a guy. He's like, hey, I'm getting ready to meet with a friend of mine from high school. It's about 20 years ago. But it just found out he got arrested and he's in jail. And I'm going to go talk to him. What do you want me to say to him? It's like, something good sounds nice. And I walked him through some things. That guy, not the guy I was on the phone with, his friend, 
done a lot of really bad stuff. May still spend a little time in jail. But you want to know what he's doing right now? He's going to jails and he's preaching to folks and telling them about how God's already cleaned up his life. He's got zero temptations of the stuff he got arrested for. He's got zero issues with it. He's confessed everything to everyone he knows. He's gone to all of those people and made reconciliation at whatever cost, and he's got nothing but joy. He's like, yeah, I'm probably going to go to jail. That's fine. I deserve to. I did these things. I'm going to admit to this and this and this. I'm going to go serve my time, and then while I'm there, I'm going to love whoever I'm with. And until I go there, I'm going to love whoever I'm with. Who do you know who has that kind of hope? He's got three kids. He's got a wife who's getting ready to probably be his ex-wife. Do you know what his thoughts are? I've got a team of 10 people along with me who are fasting Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for my wife. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to fast for my kids. Will you join me? Uh, sure. Who am I talking to? Someone who is finding strength in their weaknesses. Someone who has let go of trying to fake like they've got a perfect story and is instead saying, God is able to redeem any story. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read this verse to you. I'm going to read it slow because it's beautiful to me. And I pray that it is beautiful to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I am content with insults. I am content with hardships. I am content with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The cards you have been dealt have been teaching you for your whole life that you will never make it. You will never be fill in the blank with whatever means a lot to you. You will never have the wife. Because of the things you did, you will never have the husband. Because of the family you have or because of the job you chose or because of that one week in college or because of what you did with all this money or whatever the story is, because of what my parents did or where I came from or the language I have or the disability I carry, that whatever the story is for you, it's a lie. Because when you are weak, for Christ's sake, then you are strong. So follow him and not Lucy. And watch everything that means something to you be blessed, not cursed. Watch everything that means something to you be rescued, not left to die. I'm assuming Adam may lead this series to this text. So here's your application. In Hebrews chapter 11, there is a series of people that are listed. Abraham, Moses, Jacob. And I, I want to set something up for you. All the people in the Bible, there were some really rich, powerful men and women. The only people that existed in the Bible that got used were the people who could admit that they were nothing because of those things. David was incredibly well off as a king and ruined another woman's life and saw another man get killed. Saul was strong, probably a lot like Nate Reeves strong. I mean, he's a strong guy, big calves probably. But because of his arrogance and his pride, because he was more like Lucy and less like Charlie, he got his kingdom taken away. He was murdered. What you and I need to know for the rest of our lives is in Hebrew 11. Go study those people and find yourself because you're in there. 
somebody who is so small, so broken, and so weak, but because of God, does amazing things that get written in history. This is your story. Go claim it. God will redeem every corner of your life if you'll let him have your hand. Because what you think is a pair of deuces, the strongest hand of aces the world will ever know. Let's pray. Father, when you started my time out here, you broke my heart. And I haven't thought about these things in a while. Jesus, I, sometimes I don't know what to ask for when I'm talking to you, and I'm sorry. Jesus, when you came to me all those years ago, and you've been coming to me ever since, all you've ever wanted was for me to trust you, to have confidence in you, to believe in you. And time and time again, I've tried to take that away from you either trying to be proud on my own or strong on my own or, or pretend that I don't have weaknesses. I do have weaknesses. So Father, I just ask, do whatever you want in this room. Some of these young people have a lot of joy in their hearts and some of them are broken beyond measure. Jesus, only you can show them how their weaknesses can become your strength. Only you can show them what to do. Jesus, you have to do this, not for our sake, not for mine, but for your sake. And just like Paul said, people need to know about you, and they're never going to see your power if we're displaying our own. They're never going to see your grace if we're showing off our pride. They're never going to see your humility and love if we're showing off our arrogance and entitlement. They need to see you. Jesus, you're the only answer that matters. You're the only answer that's real. Tell each one of us what to do and give us the courage to do it no matter what. We don't have time to waste here. There are too many friends on our campuses and in our homes in this community, Father, who do not love you and they do not trust you and even we are weak and sometimes don't. So have your way. Tell us what to do. Make us do it. We love you, Father. Now help us.